Have you ever listened to bad advice? <laughs> You're moaning. The kind of bad advice that got you stuck in a place that you wish you had never been. How many of you listened to the bad advice that maybe your mom or sibling or guardian told you that you wouldn't need a fan when you came to college? <laughs> and now on September 3rd, it's 100 degrees, and today it's 89. How many of you listened to that bad advice? Maybe you listened to the bad advice that um, somebody, you know, invited you to, you know, spend a whole evening watching Netflix instead of doing your homework. Or watching Netflix in chapel, that would be very bad advice, right? And you found yourself stuck in a place that you wish you had never been. Or you followed your GPS. How many of you have done that, right? It told you to turn down a certain road, and you kind of looked down the road, and it looked like it was kind of overgrown with weeds. It didn't really look like it was passable, but... The GPS said go there, and so you went. Kind of like this clip here from Proceed. The Office. And so we're going to spend this semester looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is a snapshot of a group of people who were living in a particular way. They were a church community within the larger community of Corinth. And we're going to take a look at the way that they got stuck. They got stuck in a place, and they were living in a way that they, had ne they should never have been in the first place. But one man is going to help lead them out of that place, the Apostle Paul. And he is the one that's going to help them find a better way. So I'm going to read, and you can follow along. But this is 1 Corinthians, starting with chapter 12, verse 31. And going to the end of chapter 13, verse 13. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak in all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child... 
I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put childish things, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Amen? Amen. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Paul loved the church in Corinth. They were a difficult bunch. They were difficult. But he wanted the best for them. And so after hearing about what had been going on in the church in Corinth from a woman named Chloe and all of her family, they had come and let Paul know what was going on there. He decides to write this letter full of greetings and love and instruction and correction. This particular part of the letter to Corinth, to the people in Corinth, the church there in Corinth, uh, this particular part, chapters 12 to 14, Paul wants to address a very specific issue that's going on in the church. Because, see, they were a community within a community. The church was a community within the larger community of Corinth. And they were identifying themselves as Christians, but they didn't look any different from everyone else there in Corinth. They didn't look any different. They didn't treat each other any differently. They didn't act any differently. And in addition, they were so focused on all the gifts that God had given to them that they took those and they were overshadowed by the Spirit of God that wanted to work within them. Corinth was multicultural. It was a port city. It was a place that ships came in and out of, and as people got on and off those ships, some of them just stayed there. And so it was just so diverse. People from all over would come and stay and, and find a place of home there in Corinth. It was multicultural. Corinth was multi-religious with all of those people come from all, coming from all of those places. They brought their religion with them. And so here there were people worshiping all kinds of gods. Corinth was socially and economically diverse. There were slaves. There were slave owners. There were businessmen and prostitutes and the destitute. They all lived there in Corinth together. And everyone was trying to move up, move on up the ladder economically with power and success and pulling themselves up and pushing themselves up. This is what Corinth looked like. Corinth was sexually immoral. Whenever someone visited Corinth for the first time, they were at risk for being Corinthazo, Corinthianized. They were at risk for becoming Corinthianized as they came in to the city of Corinth. They were at risk for becoming people of loose moral character, undisciplined, and adopting an anything-goes philosophy or mentality of life. Corinth also attracted teachers 
educators, those who were learned. And the people in Corinth respected that in their culture. They, they respected people who could speak well, who were well-read, well-learned. All of these things sort of give you a picture of what it looked like in Corinth. Some things that were really beautiful about the city of Corinth, right? Multicultural. Um, other things that weren't so beautiful about Corinth. These social and economic discrepancies. And the way that they were trying to push each other up, up this ladder. So at the same time that this is the city of Corinth, here, a community within a community, is the church. And the church bears all of the same attributes that the people in the city of Corinth did. The city was multi, uh, the church was multicultural. The church was sexually immoral. The church had social and economic discrepancies. The church bore all of these things, so much so that those with gifts in the church then began to consider themselves better. Those with specific gifts began to consider themselves better than, more important than those with lesser gifts. Instead of using all of their diversity to be a kick-butt community, they were stuck in a place where Paul wished they had never been. They were show-offs. They were boasting about themselves, protecting themselves at the cost of others. They treated each other in rude and unkind ways. The church in Corinth found themselves stuck in a place. And Paul hopes for them to live differently because these people have been transformed by God. And they're failing to live in the way that shows that. They're failing to live out and act out and behave with each other a way that demonstrates the Holy Spirit has come and has changed them. And so Paul, motivated not just to tell them what to do, not just to say, hey, you're not getting it. He comes alongside in the form of this letter. And he says, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. ENC. We are tempted to live in the same way, aren't we? We are a community that is diverse. We are a community that values education. We are a community that is gifted in so many ways. In knowledge, in speech, in athletics, in theater, in diverse life stories and life experiences that have shaped us. And we bring all of that to this community. We are a gifted community in science, in math, in engineering, in religion, in history, in under, understanding humanity, and in caring for whole individuals. We are a gifted community. We are a community just like the church in Corinth with immense potential. But are we also the kind of community that uses all of our diversity, all of our gifts, all of our potential that reflects the way of Jesus 
Are we a community that uses our gifts to be a kingdom community? Or are we instead stuck using our gifts, your gift, whatever that gift is that you bring to this community, are you stuck on that gift in the way that it elevates you here? Or are you using that gift so much to elevate yourself that you diminish others around you? Say, well, you don't have a gift like my gift. Well, you're not the chaplain. Are we using our gifts in a way that diminishes others around us? Consider for a moment the gift that you bring to all of us. Or consider the gift that you have that you haven't shared yet with the ENC community that you've withheld. And somehow we are left less, less than, because you haven't shared your gift with us. Our community is distinctively different. We are we are a community that listens to a different voice, that follows a different path, that walks a different way via. That is what ENC community is. And it ought to change the way that we live on this campus. Amen? It ought to change the way that we love each other, the way that we speak to each other, the way that we treat each other, the way that we talk about each other when we're not around. Oh, the way that we love each other, the way that we demonstrate that with each other. Via, the way of the kingdom, the Jesus way. So how do we get there? How do we get unstuck? How can we live in the way that God deeply desires for us? A way of life that's best of all. A way of love. Today is the first in our series of four sermons on figuring out how we can live a way that is best of all. And so today, I want to ask on this very first chapel of our chapel theme, would you surrender? Would you surrender yourself and your gifts? Perhaps you have been going down a path that this American culture tells you to go. You've been using your gifts, whatever they are that God has given you, to elevate yourself. The first step in living a way that is best of all is surrendering ourselves to God. Would you surrender your way to God? Even this morning, would you allow God's spirit to speak to you? Would you allow God to say whatever he wants to say here at the beginning of this school year? Would you allow him to say something to you about the gift that you have and the way that you use it on this campus, in this community? Would you surrender this morning to God and allow him to show you a better way?
Taffy is going to come and sing a closing song for us. And if you're willing to allow God to show you a better way this year, would you, as she sings, just stand where you are in an expression of commitment to saying, I am willing, I am willing, God, whatever the gift is, however I can use it in this community to live a better way, I'm willing to surrender that gift to you. Or perhaps you have a gift that you haven't shared with us. You've been apprehensive in some way. Maybe it's just who you are, how you identify yourself, and you've been apprehensive to share that with our community. Would you allow God to surrender that to him? Or lastly, if you have used your gift to elevate yourself, to diminish others, would you come and pray and confess that to God today? As she sings, I invite you to do one of those things, to stand in commitment, to come forward and confess, to stand and just say, God, I surrender. I surrender to you. God, show me. Show me the best way to live. Turn my 
strivings into works of grace, breath of God, so Christ in all I do. just come before you this morning and we thank you for your word that is alive, a word that speaks to us. Heavenly God, we pray that as Heavenly Father, we follow you. We pray that you may give us strength, Heavenly God, to do so because on our own we cannot do it, Heavenly Father. We want to follow you, but we ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit, Heavenly God, to do it your way, to do it the right way. And heavenly God, may we be obedient to you at all times. As we decrease, may you increase, heavenly God, in our lives. And may you be seen in all that we do, in all that we say, in how we live, heavenly Father. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, for we know that you are faithful. You are faithful, and you are faithful. And you would do just as we ask, O oh God, according to your will, Heavenly Father. You came here on earth, you've showed us the way, and you ask us to follow you in that way. Not only do you ask us to follow you, but Heavenly Father, you're willing to take our hands and walk with us again the road that you have walked. And so we thank you for that. We thank you, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. May you join me in the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below.
leave in peace.